Welcome to the Leadership Works Podcast. This is Karen and Chris Conley. We are excited to bring you an absolutely phenomenal guest for our program today. Chris, we had an opportunity to have Brad Lominick here at High Point back a few months ago. What is the thing that you think our audience would be most interested to know about Brad? Brad was the president of Catalyst Conferences over the last 10 years. Catalyst is one of the biggest and most respected Christian conferences in the nation. They probably have somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to 40,000 people that attend their conferences. He really was the leader behind that and a lot of the idea generation behind that. A tremendous guy. We really enjoyed getting to know, and he came in here to teach us about how to run the Leadership Works Conference. You are going to benefit greatly from Brad's leadership over these next two podcasts, and we would strongly encourage you as well to pick up his book, H3 Leadership. Brad, most recently through your company, Blink Consulting, have dove into the world of consulting as well. Yes, that is all true. And maybe my claim to fame of all of the career seasons is working on a ranch in Colorado for five years right after college. That sounds like a lot of fun. Playing cowboy. I don't get to play cowboy anymore. And now I have to at least look the part of being somewhat presentable with not necessarily skinny jeans, but, you know, the, the classic hipster. That's kind of what I like to find my fashion these days. Instead of wearing Wrangler jeans and cowboy hats, I went from that 20 years ago to now trying to be presentable but still somewhat hip. Would that be your dress on stage, Chris? Yeah, totally. At 6'5", totally all about skinny jeans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quite all, work. All my, jeans, all my jeans are skinny. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Catalyst has played a significant role in my own life. Karen and I started High Point Church 14 years ago, but it was 16 years ago when I was at the very first Catalyst Conference coming up this October. The Lord spoke to me and gave me direction to start High Point Church. And I remember back in those days when this conference was designed just for kind of the next generation leader. It was just something that was so life-giving to me. Before we jump into all the different experiences that you had at the Catalyst Conference, we'd love to hear a little bit about that backstory and how God originally got a hold of your life and how God made you the leader that you are. I grew up outside of Tulsa in Oklahoma and was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, really had a pretty incredible childhood and journey as a youngster, and I ended up at University of Oklahoma, got a history degree, and thought I wanted to go to law school, decided to go work on a ranch in Colorado for six months, and that turned into five years, and and never went back to law school. So how does that happen? How does six months, what was so unique about this ranch, and what was the story behind the ranch? What happened in that window of time? So interesting that the founder, a guy named Bob Foster, not well known, but he just passed away recently. He was friends with people like Jim Rayburn, who started Young Life. He worked with Dawson Troutman, who started the Navigators, and went to Wheaton University, I believe, at the same time Billy Graham did. Like, he ran in the circles of these patriarchs of the faith. He decided to start this guest ranch. So we were very under the radar as a staff and as a ranch in terms of our faith. So most of the staff were believers, but it wasn't a Christian ranch. And so we had guests that would come from all over the world for a great five-diamond Western family guest ranch experience. We sort of love people until they ask why. We, we built Bridges of Friendship to try to share the gospel through our actions and through our work and service. So for me, you know, 22, from 22 to 27, I, I really established 
my foundation as a leader, as a follower of Jesus, with my work theology, with a lot of things in my life were built on the scaffolding of working at Lost Valley Ranch. So it wasn't really about the horses and the cattle and the, the, the ranching experience. It was more about being a part of an organization that helped me grow up and actually taught me how to work. It was really foundational. I was sort of in that season, as many people who probably listen to this podcast have been at some point where you're wrestling with calling, you're wrestling with that sense of, is it ministry or business? Is it church or marketplace? Is it is it kingdom or commerce? So much of the way I view the world and, and perspective on faith and work was also built out of the premise of, here I am in a for-profit ranch environment doing ministry. And, you know, it's interesting now, I've, I've had three or four seasons of career and all of my, those different seasons have really been in places where kingdom and commerce were overlapped, where I was like walking in with the scriptures in one hand and the Wall Street Journal in the other. That was really foundational. I didn't have any kind of official uh, schooling to figure that out. And so it came through just practice, trying to practice it. Ended up connecting with John Maxwell, working on a ranch again, like random, just God connections, no connection whatsoever between okay, working on a ranch and then trying to do conferences or trying to do like leadership stuff. But um, I met John through some mutual friends and it was just one of those things of, you know what, I want to go work for this guy. Like I want to be around great leaders and I want to go learn what leadership looks like. What you just said about the kingdom and commerce intersecting, I think is something that would probably be a huge interest to our audience. We have a lot of people listening to this podcast who love the Lord and have expressions of ministry in the marketplace. They are exercising that, but a lot of people also, they feel like it's one or the other, that it can't be both. So I wonder if you might speak to that person listening that really senses God stirring in their heart to be a difference maker, but hasn't figured that out. Any learning curve or anything that you would point to as a piece of wisdom that maybe you took from the ranch or from your experience sitting under Bob that would be helpful? The way those two worlds overlap, because a lot of times we're afraid of them overlapping because of maybe political correctness and stuff. But you said we loved people until they asked why. Oh, my gosh. What a great statement. Yeah, that was so much of the premise of it was if you see your work, if you see your vocation, if you see what you're stewarding right now, the assignment I was given for me personally was to, again, work on this ranch and be in charge of the experience of guests and try to help run this place. There was so much of that that was kingdom, but it didn't have the intentional sort of public expression of that. That was okay. Like, I thought going into that, man, the only way I can do ministry is somebody knows I'm doing ministry. And that was such an incorrect theology in the sense that all of us are in ministry, whether we're working at a church, whether we're working at a school, whether we're working in a law firm, whether we're working on a ranch. That's our ministry area. That is our oikos. Like, that's our place of having impact, impacting culture. And it just so happened that I was able to do that through serving guests. But here's the interesting thing. As soon as people would show up at Lost Valley, four diamond, five diamond type of guest ranch, very nice. They're expecting a level of excellence. But we wowed them with such intentionality that they couldn't help but want to know more about what we believe. We never led with that. We never sort of showed up and said, hey, guys, listen, we're Christians. 
we'd like to evidence our faith because of the way that we serve you. No, we just serve their socks off, and by day two or three, and this happened every week with guests, they would kind of pull me aside and go, okay, Brad, what's really going on here? Something is different. Are you guys a cult? You're loving my kids like I've never seen anybody love them. You know my name. We go to the Ritz. We go to Club Med. We go to every pod. You know, we go to Disney. We've never experienced something like this with staff who are so about serving us. And I would just say, well, you don't really want to know. You don't really right. know what's going on. And the next day, Brad, come on, you have to tell me. You have to tell me. You have to tell me. And the fragrance of Christ was so strong that they finally would just go fiercely, throw it out there. And that's building a bridge. That's the idea of loving people and serving people, winning the right to be heard with people until the place where they cannot stand it anymore. And so frequently we tend to look at things from the perspective of our world. So if we're in the business world, we look at customer service just in the value that it brings, the importance that it is, but we don't see that customer service could also have a spiritual element. And then if we're in the Christian world, we also, at the same time, we look at customer service and we go, oh, well, that's what the business world does versus going, wow, as Christ followers, he was the greatest servant of all. Therefore, we should be great servants. And sometimes we take something like the golden rule and we don't realize how simple, but yet how completely powerful it is that lives in both of those worlds. Absolutely. And I tell you this, Chris and Karen, like this was so important to our ability to interlock and intersect those worlds that we led with excellence. We were the best in the world at what we do. I try to continue to have that premise. The best way for me to express to my neighbor, to my customer, to a world out there that may not believe what I do. The best way for me to express that many times is through the excellence. That's my credibility builder in the marketplace. That's the lens through which most people will give me the opportunity to not only do business with them and to actually like retain them as a customer and a client, but also then to win the right to be heard. And so many times our mediocrity drowns out our message. You have to lead with such a level of excellence, whether you're a church or whether you're a law firm or whether you're an accounting executive or whether you're in a Fortune 500 company. You want to have impact on people you're around. Be the best in the world at what you do. And I promise you, like, the message will follow. But so many times, like, I think a lot of us, through good intentions as leaders, through really good intentions, nobody's trying to do this the wrong way, but lots of times we tend to look at our faith, at our message as a marketing strategy instead of an identity if it's a marketing strategy, sometimes that's inauthentic, and all of a sudden people see this disconnect. It goes back to that same camp of, well, like, oh, they're being hypocritical now, or all the statements that we tend to hear then start to ring true to them. I just learned over the years that the best way for me to live out Harvard Business Review and Scripture and Wall Street Journal and Scripture and Fast Company and the Word is to lead with that sense of, man, I'm going to go be the best in the world of what I can do. I'm going to serve people so well that they cannot stand it, to not have the answer to the question that they feel like is the why behind all that. It's worked pretty well over the years, and I've never had anybody, never, at Lost Valley or any other time, when I did share what I believe, when I did talk about what's important to me, when I did talk about faith and God and who Jesus is, that walked away and said, that was really offensive. I can't believe you just dropped that on me. 
They were asking for it. They wanted it. It didn't impact our friendship. It actually grew our friendship. And it was the right place at the right time for folks. It all works together, I think, when we lead first with that level of excellence. Absolutely. Obviously, the Lord has given you a great amount of success in your career. And obviously, from the days you had those lessons that you learned at the ranch that influenced you and your upbringing and your love for the Lord. As a leader, talking to other leaders, is there a time where you began to realize that the dreams that you had were bigger than your peers? A time at which you realized maybe there was was a difference in how you viewed the world? Yeah, I mean, I felt it young. I felt a call to, I would say, leadership. I felt a call to sort of be out in front from a young age. I can remember, like, leading in elementary school. This is such a goofy story, but I led a revolt to offer chocolate and strawberry milkshakes instead of just vanilla. You know, it's so goofy. It's like, come on. But I saw that sense of, you know what, like, I'm willing to step out and step up and step into a place where I might be the only one that is willing to take a stand. And I've seen that throughout. I remember in college, there was a sense for me very clearly that I thought it was politics. Like I thought my call in life was politics. That's why I was going to go to law school. And I wanted to be on the Senate floor. By the time I was 35, I wanted to be by 25 working for a senator from the state of Oklahoma. That just seemed like the best path for me to go and make an impact on culture and live out my faith. And, and you know, leadership to me was like either politics or potentially education. But all of a sudden at 25, working on a ranch, I was scooping manure and feeling like, wait, I'm falling behind. And I remember that moment at Moss Valley scooping lots of manure from 150 horses and thinking, what happened to that dream, like of going into politics and God speaking to me saying, here's the reality. I want to see you be faithful to where I have you right now. And the lesson for me was very clear that the assignment I have for this season is the most important assignment I've ever been given. And the faithfulness through which I do that assignment is the way that I am going to be measured on how successful I am in life. I thought when I was starting out that it was all about like achieving the top of the mountain. And for me now, the dreams or at least the sense of measured success is about am I being faithful within the assignment that I currently have? And here's what I found to be true is that faithfulness in those assignments typically leads to other opportunities with more faithfulness. Brad, the gentleman that discipled me, his name's Clyde Cranford. He would call the discipline of place. You need to be disciplined where God has placed you. You'll never get out of that place until you're faithful in that place. Yes, that's great. Discipline of place. Do I have permission from Clyde to use that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because a lot of us, we don't ever necessarily achieve the playing in the National Football League or the dreams we have as kids many times feel like that they got left on the side of the road. But I would just say measure success is based on being true to the assignment you currently have. 
for so many people, they would resonate with that to say, gosh, what I thought my life would turn out to be is not where it is. But for us to remember so many times at those young ages, we don't necessarily have the spiritual maturity to realize that life is not all about us and that success is not about our success. And so it is interesting how God does shape that and change that and maybe change people's views later to go, no, I wasn't a failure that I didn't become a CEO. I just realized God gave me gifts to do something that took me a little bit of a different path. Or for some, God put me in this position as a CEO, not for my glory, but to accomplish his purposes. Right. And I've learned now that I'm 20 years into career and vocation and this season of life, I've learned that the best expression of my leadership is actually to build platforms that other people can stand on. Sort of my calling statement on my life has been to influence influencers. And I never sort of had the next phrase of that, like influencing influencers for the purpose of building a platform that other people can stand on. Now I look back on three seasons of career so far and now in a fourth season that I'm getting to do that. Like I get to build platforms that other people can stand on. And in the process, I get to influence leaders and lead leaders and impact people who hopefully are impacting others. I would have never dreamed that though. You're right, Karen. I thought when I was in school, I thought it was going to be about me. I thought it was going to be about like me being the star, like me being the person who is the center of attention. And I found that the best way I can actually make an impact is through other people. When I listen to you say that, as I've grown in my leadership over the years and have had the privilege of leading other people, I've really found the true joy comes from what we give, not what we gain. That abundance is when you see someone else step on a platform that you've built, then they step up there and they get that fastball right in the right spot and take a big swing at it and hit that home run. That's when I have the greatest joy is seeing the success of others, but I've had a role in building that platform. Yeah, it's the producer in Hollywood. And I guess everybody in Hollywood gets to enjoy success, but I always thought I'd be the actor. I always thought it'd be like that one. And directors are more well-known. They're the ones actually creating the camera shot. And the movie you see is actually the movie that they saw through their eyes. But the producers are the ones behind the scenes that make it happen. They're usually over in the corner. They usually are not known. They're usually the ones that don't necessarily get the credit. But I love that visual picture for me of being a producer, where you watch all the pieces come together And then the joy you get is from other people receiving accolades. I think that's just a great picture of a leader. Like when I think of catalyst, like the the very definition of a catalyst is a agent of change that creates a more rapid producing of change for the benefit of someone else. And then typically that catalyst for change goes away. For me, that's just a great picture of leadership is my job here is to create change in others, good change, but it's not about me. As we wrap up this podcast, before we go to part two, you mentioned earlier in the podcast in some very developmental years of being surrounded by great leaders. One of those leaders that you mentioned was John Maxwell. And a lot of our audience is very familiar with him and has learned through reading his books and hearing him speak at different conferences. Give one thing that's personal that contributed to your personal life and professional life from working with him and knowing him that helped build you as a leader. Well, there's lots of them. I'll point out one. John is a constant learner. He has an insatiable curiosity. That really spoke to me. First Catalyst event, 
Erwin McManus on stage, Andy Stanley was on stage, and somebody else, John, was on stage. They were doing a panel discussion on leadership. John had his yellow notepad. Yep, I remember this. Right? Yeah, yep. it's right there, Chris. It was almost awkward, like, to watch a panel with somebody taking notes, but that's John. Like, he's not going to let a opportunity slip by where he doesn't invest in himself and grow himself as a leader. I just watched him in public places like that, as well as in private places where he would sit down with a waiter in a restaurant and say, hey, what do you like about working here? What would you do if you were in charge? What would you do if you were the head of the restaurant? I mean, stuff like that where nobody ever saw that. And John would take all those lessons. Many of them show up in books. That's why he has so much content available. But he just has that premise, even if I'm on the top of the mountain, if I've arrived, if I feel like I'm first place on the pecking order of my industry, I've still got more to learn. I watched it and sort of was the sun standing in the corner, peeking around going, I need to do that. I want to be that person that if ever I get to the top of the food chain, I never want to feel like that I'm satisfied and that now I'm the know-it-all. I always want to be the hungry second walking into the room instead of the arrogant first. That speaks to one of your three H's in the H3 leadership book that you have just released about humility. I mean, what a picture to know that John never thinks that he is too far beyond learning. So we're going to have to wrap up this particular podcast right now, but I do hope that everybody will stay tuned. You have got so much great information and content regarding leadership that we're going to dive into in our second podcast. But before we go for today, Brad, if people want to follow you, they want to follow your blog, see about the different books and resources that you have, what's the best way for them to reach you? Just my name, Brad Lominick, L-O-M-E-N-I-C-K. And that's all the social media outlets, my website, bradlominick.com. That's the simple way Perfect. To find me. That's terrific. Thank you so much, Brad, for joining us today. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Please come back and listen to part two from our Leadership Works podcast. We would love for you to also follow along with us. In addition to reaching and following Brad Lominick, you can follow Chris and Karen, both of us on Twitter at Chris Conley and at Karen Conley. I'm on Instagram, Karen L. Conley. We can't wait for part two. 